Awesome. Let's pray this one in. Father, as we come around your word, I just pray for your anointing to flow. I pray you'd stir our hearts. Lord, it's our goal to be a little bit more like Jesus, to represent heaven well, to not just wait to go to heaven one day, but to bring heaven to earth now. So let us be your church. Let us be your family. Let us be the light you've called us to be. So stir us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Touch two people and say he's got something for you this morning. You know, the way we set up church here, the way I preach really is to help you become more like Jesus. It's the goal. The word Christian means like Christ. So if you're going to call yourself a Christian, the goal in it all is to be a little bit more like Jesus. And that is a lifestyle. And so you'd look at Jesus' lifestyle and you think of how he thought, how he behaved, what he said. It's challenging. But that's the goal if we're going to be Christians. What I love about Jesus is he, he was here on a mission. You know, he was going to Jerusalem. He came on, a, on, on purpose. And people tried to sidetrack him. And Jesus was never a mamby-pamby. He says, I'm here on a mission. This is where I'm going. You're welcome to come with me, but you're never going to sidetrack me. That was Jesus. We need to be like that. We're here on a mission. No one's going to sidetrack me. I know what I'm about because that's what Jesus did. He made time for people. He showed his faith. He went to a cross and died a death in faith, knowing that his father would raise him again. Ultimate faith. He carried peace in the storm. He was willing to take on religion at the time and have big debates. But people loved him. Jesus got invited to all the big parties. They wanted him there. Why are the Christians not including the parties anymore? We've got to be a bit more like Jesus. The parties are full of the Christians. Why? Because we carry the life. The trouble is we so often associate parties with drunkenness, and I'm sure that was happening in Jesus' time, but Jesus wasn't drunk. Jesus was bringing real life. And we can go to these parties and bring real life. No judgment, just real life with us. And it's challenging. We need to be like Christ. One of the things I want to talk about today, and my message title, if you like titles, is Pouring Myself Out. And it's kind of... A counter message to last week's message. Anyone here last week enjoy the message? We talked about resting and recharging. And they are good and necessary and Jesus did it. But we don't just live in rest and recharging per se. Because Jesus was always pouring himself out. And so it's almost like we pour ourselves out. But then we rest and recharge so that we can pour ourselves out. Do you see? And so this is looking at how Jesus and how we can pour ourselves out. Here's a couple of questions for you. Is happiness found in life... By having no need or by meeting the need of others? Is it more of a blessing to fill your cup or empty your cup into someone else's? They're good questions because if we live always thinking it's about me, eventually it's, it's boring. Eventually that isn't satisfying. We get satisfied because we're made for relationship. And as we help someone else, that brings life to us. So could we develop an attitude and a lifestyle which reflects Jesus in pouring ourselves out. Here's a good question for you. What kind of person are you at a gathering? I'm not talking necessarily a church gathering. Just, and let's picture a gathering. It might be someone's invited you for a barbecue. Yeah? Anyone have a barbecue? Yeah. We're English. We barbecue in the rain. Barbecue in the heat. It's just barbecue all the time. We love a barbecue. So the barbecue's happening. You've been invited to it. Who knows that the best people at a barbecue come bringing something? Now, it could be that you're bringing food. It could be that you're bringing drink. 
But there are other things to bring. It could be that you're bringing conversation. It could be that you're bringing encouragement. It could be that you're bringing a willingness to clear up at the end. Who loves that person? Yes, yeah, come on. Do you see what I mean? You see, see, pouring yourself out can mean lots to different people. We're not all got the same personalities. So you may not be the person who's going to come with all the conversation and the jokes and the laughs, but you love to be around that. But at the end, you're the person who's willing to stay and help. We love you. We need you. Your way of pouring yourself out to make that environment better is serving with what you can do. We need to turn up to every single environment we ever go to with something to bring. We need to have something. And it might be different for all of us, but we need to have something. I want to honour a family in our church today. And it's our lovely Iranian family. I don't know if you've met them yet. Majid, Mariam and Mohammed. Now, they are learning English. They are gathering it slowly. They're improving all the time. I don't know if you've chatted to them. So what do they do when they come to church? They don't just sit there and go, feed me, feed me, give us some more, love me some more. Oh, this is a lovely environment. No, 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 no. I guarantee you every week without fail, if you come in here at the end, they are clearing up. Every week. Do you remember when we had that? Yeah, come on. We love you guys. Do you remember when we had our family day outside and it was probably hotter than today and, and most of us scuttled off home and that's absolutely fine. They were the last people here. They were out on the field making sure nothing was left behind. They stayed late. Why? Because they are pouring themselves out with what they've got to offer. And I love that. As I was typing this, I was sitting in my kitchen typing this and I got all choked up by you guys. God loves you. God loves you, and we love you. Another round of applause for our awesome Iranian family. Could we be people who arrive at any environment with something to give? When I've looked at my life, I think this is possibly a strength of mine. Uh, when Josh first started playing football as a, as a youngster, I went along and went to his training sessions and I cheered him on and clapped from the side. But it wasn't very long before they realised that I used to play. And so the next question is, Barry, do you want to be one of the coaches? So within about two seasons, I was the coach. But I had something to offer. You know, the kids loved it because when you're doing the demonstration, you've got to put this top bins. I was pinging, you never lose it, guys, you never lose it. I pinged it, top bins. They were like, oh, oh, Josh's dad's good, Josh's dad's good. I walked out like that. But I had something to offer. I could have said, oh, my days are done. I'm just here supporting my son. You know, knock yourselves out. But no, no, they asked me, and I've got something to give. So by default, I pulled myself out. I hope I bless Josh. I hope I bless the team. They still speak well of us, and that's awesome. Conversely, I used to go and watch Evie with gymnastics. You can see where this is going. I am literally the least flexible man you've ever met in your life. My version of touching the toes is touching the knees. And so Evie would be there doing the splits this way and this way and this way. I'm like, Whoa. And people came around and some of them were ex-coaches and ex-gymnasts and they helped. And I was like, yeah, well played you. That is not me. But then they decided they were going to put on this, um, this exhibition, tournament, if you like. And they needed chairs. And I thought, oh, I can do that. I lead a church. We have chairs. And so I arrived in three or four car runs and we took them 30, 40, 50 chairs. And they were chuffed to pieces. So I couldn't do the splits. I couldn't do the somersaults. I couldn't coach, but I could provide chairs. And here's the thing. Do you see my point? You have something to bring. You just do. 
So could we, just like Jesus, make a lifestyle that our default is, I'm going to pour myself out. I have something to offer. And do you know where it comes from? It comes from an attitude of gratitude. Thankfulness. They invited me. Thank you. What can I do to make it better? You know? I have the chance to serve. Thank you. What, what can I do? You know? I've got a little bit of wisdom over this situation. Praise God. I've got some skills in this. Bring it on. I've got an opportunity to give. Come on. There's an attitude in me, an attitude in Jesus, and potentially an attitude in you that just looks for the opportunity to pour into it. And I believe that reflects Jesus. Jesus came bringing an attitude from heaven which was always going to clash with the attitude of this world. The world attitude often is, I need to protect myself. The attitude of heaven is always, I'm going to give myself away. And they clash. And there's probably middle grounds in all of it, but they clash. And keeping your time and your energy and your substance and your gifting seems to prefer, preserve self, but it's never fresh. Because you're holding on to it. I don't know if anyone's seen the river over, over just the left of us here. They've blocked it off. It's been like that for about two weeks now. It is green and sludgy. It actually looks like astroturf. But it's not fresh. They've kept it. There's still loads of water there, but it's disgusting. And if we keep ourselves to ourselves in the name of keeping self, what happens in the end is it just gets a bit disgusting, stagnant. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See? So this is actually a faith journey. I've got some stuff. I could keep that to myself. But I know according to God's word, if I refresh others with my gifting, he's going to refresh me. So I'm willing to take the gamble on pouring myself out, trusting God in faith that he will refresh me. And if you go on that cycle, guess what? You never run out. But if you keep it to yourself, first you represent a spirit of this world and not a spirit of heaven. And secondly, you end up full but stagnant. And that's just not a good look. In fact, it's stinky. You can go, you can keep it all and go stale in the name of being full. But God is looking for emptiness in people that have poured themselves out. And he says he will refresh you. Touch the person next and say, God's going to refresh you. I don't know if you spotted it before, but there's this thing in the Old Testament called a drink offering. A drink offering. Let me read it to you. Genesis 35, verse 14. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Now, I don't, can you see the, the language here? He poured it out. He, that, that's where the title comes from. He, he poured himself out. He poured out the drink offering. And the great thing, and I believe our faith is the only faith in the world that has foreshadows of what's to come. And I don't know if Jacob even knew what he was doing there, but this is an absolute foreshadow of the blood of Jesus. Here is the altar. He's pouring on the red wine, the red wine representing the blood of Jesus. He didn't know what was coming, but there was something in his spirit that said, this is the right thing to do. And he poured it out, and it touched the heart of God. But then we know that Jesus comes. And look at the language. This is Jesus speaking, Luke 22, and verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he, Jesus, took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus goes to the altar, which is the cross, and spills his blood. And he pours out for you and for me. 
for purity, for cleansing, for reconnection with the Father. The purpose of Jesus in the end was to reconnect us with the Father. And he had to go through the process of pouring himself out to do that. I wonder how many people could find themselves connected to the Father if the church starts pouring themselves out. That's a great thought, isn't it? I wonder if your friend, your family member, your colleague, someone you bumped into at the bus stop could come and encounter Jesus because you decide, I'm just going to pour myself out. Knowing that God will pour himself back into you. You'll never run dry. When you look at Jesus and his lifestyle, he was always pouring himself out. A busy man. Can you imagine actually being Jesus? Literally everywhere he went, the crowd swarmed. They wanted to hear him. He was just like these people gravitated towards him. As soon as they heard he was in the vicinity, they were there. He was everywhere. People wanted to be with him. And yet here he is on this journey, and the centurion comes to him. We know the story. And he says, Jesus, my my son, he's dying. He's, He's unwell. What does Jesus say? He says, I'll come. What's he doing? Pouring himself out. Jesus was busier than me and you put together. But in his busyness, he said, it's not about me, it's about you. I'm willing to stop what's important to me to make what's important to you important to me. And he pours himself out. But the centurion, doesn't he, goes on and says, you don't need to come because I understand command. And if you command it, it will happen. And Jesus says, I've never heard such faith. You get it. Because when Jesus commands it, it is done. He didn't need to come. But in his heart, he was willing to come. Can you see what I'm trying to say? He had a willingness in him. You look at the woman at the well. Another famous story of Jesus. Jesus is on his journey. He goes out of his way to meet this woman at the well and tell her her life story and win her to himself. And it changes the whole village. The whole village gets saved. Why? Because Jesus was willing to stop what was important to him, go out of his way and pour himself out into someone else. If we could be Christian. If we could be a little bit more like Jesus, who would we be pouring ourselves out into? How would we change what we're doing and what's important to us to bless someone else? The same as Zacchaeus. We all know the story. The little guy who was desperate to see Jesus, but amongst the crowds he couldn't see him. But in his desperation, he climbed the tree to, to see Jesus. Jesus is walking through all the crowds around him. What does he do? He sees the desperation and he stops And what does he say? Zacchaeus, I want to eat with you today. He's pouring himself out. Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus, but Jesus was drawn to desperation. How many desperate people are in our lives? How many people in your world have got need? And we're getting about our business, but when what Jesus did is he stopped and he had a meal with them. And in that meal, Zacchaeus' life was changed dramatically. Why? Because Jesus lived a lifestyle of pouring himself out. Can you see it? It's important. He's constantly pouring himself out. When we look at the Apostle Paul, the greatest writer in the New Testament, famous today, we're still talking about him, we're still using his teaching, incredible, incredible guy. But this is what he said in Philippians 2 and verse 17. Paul speaking, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Here he is in prison, knowing his time has come. He's given everything. You see, when you look at Paul's history, he was well-educated. He was on a great career path. He was going to be successful in world terms. He had an encounter with Jesus which changed everything. And he then stopped making it about himself and made it about the kingdom of heaven. And he started teaching. And he he started challenging. And he started debating. And he started praying. And he started inspiring. And he made his life about it. And what does he say at the end of it all? I've been a drink offering. I've poured myself out to you. 
And what's happened? Eddie's part in changing the world. We are still using his teaching. Here we are in 2022 using his words in our church service. Pouring yourself out is powerful. Could we be people who understand that and start living like that? Pouring yourself out requires a willingness to give what you have. You need something to pour out. You know, if you're completely empty and have absolutely nothing, and I say, you know, pour what you've got in, you'll get your little pot of emptiness and go, oh, there's nothing there. We need something. But this is what I want to say to you. You have something. Read this story with me. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1 through 7. You'll probably all know this story, but I want to give you a different spin on it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Listen to this. This is the important line. Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here at all. Same thought process so many of us have, she said. Except, come on, we've all got an except. Except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts so your sons can live on what is left. I want to say pouring yourself out changes lives. Here's how this is normally taught, and it is true and correct. God is looking for emptiness. What emptiness can we provide for God to fill? That's how we teach that, isn't it? I want to suggest a different spin on that based on the, on the text. God is looking for you to say, I have got something, and I'm going to look for emptiness to pour what I've got into it. Can you see? She says, I've got nothing. I, what have you got? I've got nothing. What have you got in your house? I don't have anything. Except a small jar of olive oil. It seems so insignificant to her. It seemed like nothing. And I think so often what we do in life is we have, we're full of comparison. We look around the room and think, if I had what they've got, if I had what he's got, and if I had what she's got, and if I had this, that, and the other thing, we all, we all say what we haven't got. And she said the same thing, I've got nothing. He said, yes, you have, you've got something. She's got this small, small little jar. Every single one of you has got a small little jar of something. And what God is saying is, stop looking at the small jar and find me some emptiness. How many people in your, yeah, come on. How many people in your world are empty right now? And on the back of all we've been through in the world, there is a lot of empty and struggling people. You have got something. And here's what it says. If you start pouring, it will never stop. It will never stop all the while you bring me emptiness. Our trouble is we think I've got this little bit, this little bit of, you know, this little bit of money, this little bit of time, this little bit of energy, this little bit of wisdom, this little bit of gifting. And we say we've got this little bit of something, but how about we just open ourselves out and learn to pour ourselves out and say, do you know what, God, it's still yours. Yeah. It's, it seems insignificant, but do you know what, I'll give it to you. And then look for emptiness. Maybe you're going to go to the gym tomorrow and you're going to get chatting to someone you've never chatted to before. And they're going to tell you their story and you're going to see emptiness. 
and God's going to prompt you in that moment to share your wisdom. Maybe you're going to be on the phone tomorrow with a, with a relative and they're having a situation and there's going to be a little prompt in you to say, come on, pray for that person. You might not have anything else, but you've got a little faith in you. We just go on, just pray for them. And you're like, I wouldn't normally do this. I feel a bit weird, but do you know what? I'm going to pour myself out and risk it. God loves risk takers. There's not one person biblically, and I don't think there's one person in the world who's been successful without taking a risk. How about we start taking a risk in Jesus' name and say, I've only got this little bit, but you know what, God, I'm going to find some emptiness. I'm going to start pouring because according to the passage, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he will honour it. You'll think, I'm going to give it all away, and that's my lot. And he's going to say, no, just find me some more. And it will keep pouring, and it will keep pouring, and it will keep pouring. And do you know what happens on the inside of you? Confidence rises. I'm making a difference. Lives are changing. Oh, I don't feel less full. I feel more full. Do you know when you, when you, when you pour out and something good happens, you, your confidence goes up, your faith goes up, and you feel like, I can change the world. But nothing's changed except for you've interacted with Father Father in heaven and he loves us I've only got a little oil okay we can work with that I've only got a little time okay we can work with that I've only got a little bit of money okay we can work with that I've only got a little bit of gifting I'm not as gifted as them I've got a little bit of gift. okay we can work with that but will you pour it out will you pour it out we need to find some emptiness. There's emptiness all around you. Someone in your world is struggling and is dry. And you have a little something in your world which will change theirs. It's pouring yourself out. Isaiah 58 verse 10 says this. If you pour yourself out, can you see all these little pour outs? When you start looking at something biblically, it suddenly finds it. Have you ever thought to yourself, oh, well, I've never seen, seen this kind of car. And then you buy this kind of car and then you see them everywhere. You've been in that? My wife's got this little tiny Peugeot sports car. I think, oh, they're so, there's not many of them around. Never see them everywhere. Pour yourself out. I start looking up in books everywhere. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. When you start pouring yourself out, what happens? You honor God, you honor people, and He honors you. Your life just gets better. I'm definitely preaching better than the responses. Yeah, come on. One of the things we try and do in church is we say, if one claps, all clap. There we are. You always make me proud, you know, because obviously when we have a guest ministry, I'm always, I massively big you guys up. Whenever I go anywhere, we are literally the best church on the history of the planet. Yeah. Oh, you should meet this person. Oh, they're amazing. I just oh, massively big you up. And uh, so when they come, I'm like, I hope you guys pull it out of the bag now. <laughs> but you do. Every time I have a guest, they, they say something half as good as what I'm saying. <laughs> and you're like, yes, praise the Lord. I've got go on, church. But don't leave me hanging. <laughs> How about this thought? Pouring myself out in worship. Love this. Famous passage. Let's look at it again. Mark 14, verses 3 through 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? 
she has done a beautiful thing to me. I love this. Because a few things are going on here. She has prepared to worship Jesus. She hasn't stumbled across a jar of perfume that costs a year's wages by accident. She's ready for this. So when she gets her moment with Jesus, she's prepared. More than just being prepared, she does what she's in her heart. She pours it out on the head of Jesus. Can you imagine it now? I don't know, what's an average year's wage here? Let's call it, let's call it 25, 30 grand. Should we say 30 grand? Now let's say we're all big earners. 50 grand. 50 grand. Come on, declare it over you, church. 100 grand. One million dollars. <laughs> 30 grand, we'll call it 30 grand. Imagine you come to church, there's an offering, and you give 30 grand. There's going to be opinion, isn't there? There's going to be opinion in the room. There's going to be even bigger opinion in your family. There's going to be great opinion in your extended family. If you're friends, there's going to be opinion. So costly. There was opinion about it. This is what I don't like. When we give something cheap, everyone says, what a lovely gesture. When we give something expensive, everyone's like, too much. It's like, where do we sit, church? And she didn't do a nice gesture to Jesus. She worshipped him with everything. And she was prepared for that. And there was opinion in the room. You need to know that the opinion was coming from the people who handled the money, Judas, who actually was siphoning off the money. So he wasn't so much interested in the poor, he was interested in himself. That's what's really going on in the room. But she said, no, this is for Jesus. And they all have an opinion, but what does Jesus say? She has done a beautiful thing to me. How about, church, we stop bringing gestures and start preparing ourselves to worship Jesus and give him something that costs us? Because when we give him something that costs us, Jesus says, you've done a beautiful thing to me. And how does it feel to bless the heart of Jesus? The guy they all wanted to be around. The guy who had a mission, who came from heaven to earth just to declare that he loves you. I want to bless his heart. Do you know what? Let's get passionate about Jesus. Everyone's opinion, they can have their opinion, but I want to bless the heart of Jesus. It's more important to me that Jesus looks at me and says, Barry, what a beautiful thing you've done. Then everyone agrees with me. Are you with me? In coming on a Sunday, you're giving your time. Expensive. What a beautiful thing you've done for Jesus. In coming out in 300 degrees on a Sunday, when you could have been at the beach, it's cost you. What a beautiful thing you've done to Jesus. When you come and take the opportunity to make a financial offering, expensive, what a beautiful thing you've done to Jesus. When you come on a Sunday and give your heart again to Jesus, it's the only one you've got, expensive. What a beautiful thing you've done to Jesus. When you come on a Sunday and you sing and you dance and you clap and you raise your hand and you've got a terrible voice and everyone looks at you with an opinion, what a beautiful thing you've done to Jesus. Me and Kenny stand next to each other, and I tell you what, you might not like it, but he's loving it. Good job my wife can sing. And let me just make some comment. In a church with our style, and we have a bit of production, and we have talented musicians and talented singers, 
This is what people say. Oh, Barry, nice church, but it's just a performance. Ever heard that? Here's my answer to that. It's never a performance if you were taking part. A performance is something you watch. But when our worship team lead and you're like, oh, this sounds great, I'm joining in, I'm giving you my heart. It's not a performance then, because you're giving your heart to Jesus. You're pouring yourself out. We're doing it together. And there are many styles of church and they're all fantastic. But I choose to belong to one with great worship. And others are great. Nothing wrong with that. Brilliant. And that's everyone's style. And that's why we have different types of churches. But I won't listen to anyone who says this is a performance because it's only a performance if I'm not joining in. So when we join in, suddenly we're in unity. Suddenly we're giving our hearts to God. Suddenly we're singing out of hearts that love him. Suddenly we're coming together with one heart and one vision and God blesses unity and we're in the room together and we're going, thank you, Jesus. And he says, what a beautiful thing. He's not up at heaven going, just a performance. He's loving it. So be confident in who you are and what we're bringing to the table in terms of our church and how we worship Jesus. I sometimes wonder, you know, what would it look like in a worship time to offend someone? Because it'd never offend Jesus. I don't know if you saw the, um, the Ghana video I played when I came back from Ghana. And uh, it was the guys, not the girls actually, but when the worship kicked off, about 10 guys came down and they were giving it, they were sweating like no one's was, but they were giving it some big shapes and they were absolutely loving it. I was like, oh, I want to join in, but I've got no rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> but they were fantastic. And do you know what? They were just sold out. They were having a great time praising their Jesus. People can look at them and go, oh, what a bunch, what are they doing? But Jesus is saying, it's a beautiful thing you do to me. And I don't know what your worship looks like, but you have an opportunity every time we gather to worship to do a beautiful thing. And it will look different for everyone. But let's be extravagant. Let's pour ourselves out because he is worth it. Just as I start bringing this to a close, as I was writing it, I felt prompted just to bring a slightly different take on the same message, the whole idea of pouring out. I know for some people, and I'm sure there's lots that I don't know about, and there'll be lots online who listen to this, that people are in a difficult time. There are people here who are struggling. There are people online who are struggling. There are people all over the place who are struggling. And there is another side of pouring out. And I want to look a little bit in in 1 Samuel, chapter 1, uh, as we look at Hannah. And Hannah was desperate to have a baby. She was desperate. She couldn't conceive... And she was struggling. And here's where we join it. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 to 20. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will be on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, he's the, the head of the head of the church at the time, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying with her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. Here it is. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take... Uh, Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. 
Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. And here's another thing to remember. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Can you see it? Here is this woman in deep anguish. Her very soul is troubled. What does she do? She pours it out to the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He sees her pouring it out and he's moved. The priest at the time says, go in peace and may the Lord grant your request. But here's the bit we struggle with in the course of time. So often we read biblical stories and we see you know, the beginning, the middle and the end in two pages. But often it takes a long time. Well, we know there's at least nine months involved in this. At least. And sometimes I feel like we're in this moment of anguish and poured out ourselves to the Lord, but we need to now know, I trust you with it. I'm not going to be bothered by it anymore. It's a choice of my heart to, to, in faith to trust you. And I know in the course of time, you will remember me. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. But it first starts with a pouring out. So there's this idea of pouring out into other people's emptiness out of what you've got because it reflects Jesus. But there's also this idea of self-care where I'm pouring myself out to the Lord, trusting him that he's got an answer for me sometime down the line. Are you with me? The issue is the most difficult part of it is the in the course of time bit. And I wonder how many of us are living in the course of time. It's like, God, why? Why is this happening? Why? I, oh. And sometimes we don't have the answer for that. But I know this, when you're in the course of time, the Lord will remember you. Because he's faithful and he loves you and he sees your pain and he sees your anguish and he's the father who is able and he's also the father who is willing. So maybe you're in the course of time and you needed to hear this just to encourage you. Keep going. Keep going. Trust in the Lord. He is making your path straight. He has got the right heart for you. He does want to bless you and his plans for you are good. Or maybe you've held on to it and held on to it and held on to it. And today's the day you need to pour it out on the Lord and say, God, I can't deal with this on my own. I'm giving it to you. I'm pouring it out to you. It's not mine to carry anymore. I'm pouring it out to you. And then say, I leave it with you and I go into the course of time. It's not easy because we're people and we want what we've asked for. But it's a faith journey where we say, God knows best. His timing isn't necessarily my timing, but when I get there, it'll be the best timing. Just by way of hand, has anyone ever had to wait for something in prayer? And then when it arrives, you think, oh, that was actually better that way. Yeah, lots of people. But it doesn't make it any easier, the course of time. But that's why we're called to family. Because if you're someone who's in anguish, you're someone who's struggling, you're someone who's pouring it out into God, sometimes we need people to stand alongside us and encourage each other and pray for each other and stand together because we're in the course of time. But be strong and know God remembers. God remembers. Are you with me? We've talked about passion recently and I think I'm a passionate man. I think you're passionate people, but we don't even know the passion that God has for us. He is so passionate about you. He will not leave you hanging. And he's got good plans for you. Are you with me? I'd love to pray for you. Would you mind standing?
Jesus. Come on, let's do some business with the Father. Let's just start praying into that final point. Come on, we're family. We're in this together. There's no pride in this room. We all have our moments. Is there anyone here today who feels like they're pouring their heart out to God? Is there anyone here who feels like they're in this the course of time moment for an answer? If that's you, would you raise your hand because we're going to pray with you. God bless you. Come and stand with some people. Is that you? We need to see you so we can pray with you. I believe there's more. It's okay if you don't want to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. There's going to be people online. If you're at home, listen to this. We're praying with you. Father, thank you that you remember us. You see us from heaven. Your perspective is different. Your timing is different. But you're the wise one. So I speak comfort to everyone who's waiting. Comfort to you in Jesus' name. Peace to you in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that because you can, you'd stir faith in your church to fully trust that you've got us. But Lord, I ask, I call on you as a father, I ask that you'd release the answers quickly. You'd release the blessing quickly. You'd change the circumstance quickly. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're with someone right now, just you can be praying your words. I'm going to move on to the next thing, but you pray. Jesus. I wonder if anyone today has made a decision that I'm going to be better at pouring myself out. I'm going to be better at being extravagant with Jesus. I'm going to be better at giving the little bit I have a way to make someone's life better, to make an environment better, to make a gathering better. I feel challenged and I make a choice today to say, I'm going to live like that. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Just give me a way so I know who I'm praying with. Yes, that's great. Over there, over there. So good. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I lift up these people to you. Thank you for stirring their hearts. Be brave. Be bold. Be extravagant. Pour yourself out. And just you watch your Father honour your faith. You'll never run dry. He will refresh those who refresh others. So I speak that word refreshing to you before it even starts in Jesus' name. Go for it. Go and make a difference. And Lord, I pray for us as a church that we could be people, a whole group of people who are good at pouring ourselves out, who are always looking for opportunities to pour into. The little that we have, we are willing to give away. That you would be glorified, that Jesus would be made known, that lives would be transformed, and we'd have a story to tell of your goodness. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of being your church in this time. Stir us, I pray. I ask, Lord God, that everyone would leave this place encouraged and challenged and thoughtful, but with our faith stirred to be a better version of ourselves that is a little bit more like Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Shall we give the Father a round of applause for all he's doing?